Just before stepping onto the bus, Harold kissed his sobbing wife goodbye, then waved to all of the nursing home residents, who had interrupted their breakfast of prune juice, yogurt, and fruit to gather on the portico and either wish him well or tell him he was a damn fool for thinking he could tour the world with a bunch of young bucks in a heavy metal band. He whispered in her ear. Now don't forget to make the monthly rent payments for this place. I'll only be gone for two months, and I'll send you money from the road soon to supplement my social security. If all goes as planned, everything should be fine. You just have to remember to do it, and we're going to end up living with that ne'er-do-well son of yours in Florida, and that would literally be hell. Harold, this is so damn ridiculous. You quit your part-time job as the greeter at Walmart to go running off on this crazy fantasy of yours, and you're not even sure if you'll make enough money to cover the difference. What the hell am I supposed to do if we end up short? Ethel dug her fake nails into his arm. Relax. Damn. Everything is gonna be just fine, I promise. These guys have been selling out shows across the country. Everybody loves them. The guarantees are big, so this is a no-brainer. Besides, you know this is something I've wanted to do my whole life. Don't act surprised, darling. You were fine with me auditioning for Kentucky Idol. You didn't mind when I kept being voted through to the next episodes. But now that I've won, you have an issue with it. I don't understand. We have talked about this for years, and now that I've retired, it seems the stars have aligned. This is my chance to experience being on the road in a heavy metal band, and it's only for two months. Everything will be fine. It always is. Perching her hand on her forehead in an attempt to block out the glare of the early morning sun. The only thing that has no brain in here is you, Harold. It is one thing to go running around like a damn teenager, playing your guitar, hanging out with all the young biddies, but to quit a job on a whim for something without guaranteed weekly income? That's just something I can't wrap my head around. This is really fucking inconsiderate of you and flat out wrong. Harold stepped onto the bus. Darling, everything's gonna work out fine. You watch and see. Just don't order anything from Amazon or the Home Shopping Club for the next few weeks and we'll be fine. Like I said, these guys are popular right now and we are all getting an equal cut from these shows so the money should not be an issue. I gotta go now, darling, but don't worry, it'll be just fine. Harold, you are so freaking stubborn and self-centered. Fine. Just get on that bus and leave me to figure out the finances. I'll manage somehow, even if I have to resort to selling my body to make up the difference. There are lots of oversexed horny men in this place, and I'm sure I'll have no problem. <laughs> the men in this place couldn't afford you, darling. I really have to go, and I promise I will send my share of the split back home so you don't end up catching crabs or some other venereal disease. I love you. I will call you soon. Harold boarded the bus and turned to wave as the door closed and began to slowly depart from Giza Glen. Harold walked through the bus towards the bunks. Bottom left one is yours, old timer. We didn't want you to break a hip or anything trying to get in the higher ones. Harold chuckled and tossed his black duffel bag into a small coffin-like bunk that would serve as his only private space for the next seven or eight weeks. 
He climbed in, smiling to himself, and dozed off to sleep. This is a moment I've been waiting for since I was in high school. Our band Ten Bags of Dirt was tearing up the tri-state circuit. Forty years ago, the four of us knew we were destined for greatness. Then the war began. Jimmy, Ty, and I were drafted, and Beezer disappeared almost overnight. There were whispers he had crossed the border into Canada, but no one ever heard from him again. War has a way of changing even the best laid plans, and for us it was no different. Ty, the drummer, came back with a case of PTSD, and the pounding of the skin sent him into a state of panic. Jimmy, the bass player, returned with a heroin habit that dictated his every move and compelled him to sell all his equipment to serve it. I returned, met Ethel, settled into a life of routine domesticity. Dream of playing in a band was tucked deep into the recesses of my brain. Hello, Cleveland! Harold was jolted awake. He wiped the sleep from his eye, grabbed his pill case, checked his phone to make sure he was selecting right day's dosage, shook the plethora of multicolored ones out, and quickly slugged them back. I sure hope these will quell my arthritis before a full day of load-in, sound checks, and press. He heard the others moving hurriedly around and realized this is what he had been waiting for. Now, the real work will begin. Black Death is popular enough to sell out smaller venues, and I quite wealthy enough to hire a road crew. That is much to the dismay of my back and my hips. Harold didn't think it was ever going to end, unloading and moving those heavy black anvil cases, crawling on his hands and knees to hook up all of the cables and making sure his guitar rig would sound the best was exhausting, and he still needed to run through what always seemed like an endless series of vocal exercises to relax his throat and warm up his vocal cords. On top of that, a case of nerves had set in that kept him running back and forth to the venue's restroom for most of the day. Can I really pull this off? Are the fans coming to hear the band? Are they solely interested in me, the old geezer? who against all odds won the Kentucky Idol and is now the temporary frontman of a popular death metal band. Take it easy, old-timer. This is what you fought so hard for in that television show. Now you have arrived. This is your 15 minutes of fame. <laughs> Let's face it. We all know that the sellout crowd is here for you, so all you gotta do is get up there, perform like you did on TV, and enjoy every fucking minute of it. He was so nervous, he was not able to eat a single bite of food. During chow time, he began pacing. Now you better get ready. Ten minutes to show time. Harold looked out at the sold-out crowd of 1,500 screaming fans. He used the towel draped around his neck to wipe the sweat from his face. The crowd was getting louder, chanting his name in unison. They were holding up lighters that, from his view, gave the illusion of a thousand stars in space. The rest of the band had left him to bask in the moment. Unfucking real This is unreal! If only Ty, Jimmy, and Beezer could see me now. He closed his eyes and felt a chill run through him, goosebumps rippling across his flesh he had waited for, worked for all of his life for this moment. This is amazing. They can't get enough of us. 
he looked across to the backstage area and caught a sight of Riley, a beer in his hand and a cigarette dangling from his lips. Riley finished his beer and tossed the empty bottle on the stage floor. Harold took his spot center stage and waved his hand, motioning for the crowd to settle down. You could almost hear a pin drop. He stepped up to the mic, ran his frail hands through his balding white hair, and surveyed the crowd. You have arrived. <laughs> you made it, brother. Now let's get out there and finish tonight with one more song. I just want to thank all you fuckers for making the dream of a kid from Long Island a reality. Thank you for voting me through night after night. You have no idea how much this means to me. If only my wife and all those old farts at Geezer Glen could see me now. I love you guys. Without y'all, this would have never been possible. Thanks from the bottom of my heart, this one's for you. The roar of 1,500 people was deafening. He stepped back from the mic and lifted his outstretched hands, encouraging the crowd to sustain their praise. Y'all about the craziest motherfuckers I have ever, ever seen. I want someone to turn on the house lights so I can see each one of you crazy fucks. This is amazing! They can't get enough of us! Once again, the band launched into their new single, Flies. The energy on the stage was palpable. The band sounded great, and the crowd was responding to the electricity. It was as if an electrical current had shot through the crowd and captivated everyone in the building. The song ended, the lights went out, and the band members made their way stage left, where Elliot, the tour manager, was waiting. They were each handed white hooded towels that they draped over themselves as they made their way down the ramp towards the dressing room. Elliot, the tour manager, followed quickly behind them. That was one hell of a show, guys. Uh, give us a few minutes, would you please? The band will be out to meet y'all in a few minutes. Let's give them a chance to settle down, okay? I think you guys were incredible. The crowd loved you, the press loved you. I think it was an all-around success. But before you guys get involved with the press and the women, I need to tell you, call time is in two hours, and then we pull an all-nighter to Virginia. Don't make me have to chase you down now. Two hours and on the bus, you hear me? Okay, that being said, here's the deal. The press and a few fans would like to do a meet and greet with the band. I would appreciate it if y'all could at least make an appearance, answer a few questions, sign a few autographs, you know, that kind of shit. You don't need to stay long. Just pop in. After that, I have a few things set up I think you will like. The room two doors down has all the booze and food you could ever want courtesy of the local radio station. They even have some of those little energy drinks in the bullet shit cans that you guys really like. Enough said. Go have fun. Y'all deserve it. Well, might as well get this over with. Tonight seriously kicked my ass and it's going to take a lot for me to recover from it. They entered the room and were greeted by a thunderous applause. Flashbulbs created a strobe effect as people tried to jostle closer to the band to take their picture. Elliot waved them in. He had set up a table with four chairs at the front of the room 
and the band members quickly sat down to field questions from the magazines and papers. Most of the questions, however, were directed at Harold, the senior citizen, winner of the Kentucky Idol, who had become somewhat of a national phenomenon. As the press conference came to a close, Harold realized the other band members had disappeared while he was endlessly chatting about his experiences on the reality television show, what it felt like to be on stage tonight, and how it felt to be a senior in a predominantly younger music scene. These guys don't have a care in the world. They'll most likely be doing this same thing night after night through this whole two-month tour. He walked down the hall to the reception area to meet up with the guys and stood in the doorway where he found them smoking and drinking, surrounded by young, good-looking women, and he felt the first pangs of guilt. Ethel, I really miss you. I really need to tell you what's been happening to me. Damn, what could I say? If you knew that the cancer was back and more aggressive than ever, and that this time on Earth was limited, you would be crushed. What's more, you'd be hurt beyond belief that I had opted to squander what little time remained chasing after this silly childhood dream of playing in a heavy metal band. Instead of spending what I had left with you and in the life we've created. I'm gonna break the news to you from the road. You don't just tell someone you've been with for 40 years that you're approaching the final curtain call. Not over the phone. This is all a great big damn mistake. I'm gonna be forgotten, just like every other icon of popular culture who fades into memory and then oblivion. All it's gonna take is the newest boy band craze to sweep into the mainstream consciousness. Morning talk shows will discuss my life with callers from around the country. Then almost overnight, I'll just be in memory. New artists come along, captivate the minds of America and become the water cooler topic. They'll switch from coverage of me to the newest reality show about some damn group of teenagers turned loose on the Mall of America. Cameras strapped to their pocketbooks and the world gonna look on from their couches and just distracted a little bit every night. This girl with the pink hair and the pierced nose gonna purchase the wonder bra or the sports bra. Or will she be ejected from the mall because she was seen by millions of Americans looking for bargains on the clearance rack of Victoria's Secrets? Tune in next week and you're gonna find out. Another star will be born overnight. And I will have been forgotten, like so many others before me. It's too late to call Ethel. I'd love to call and tell her I'm sorry. And I love her and miss her. Good night, my love. I miss you and the life we have there, Geezer Glenn. Ever wonder what a punch from Elton John feels like? Or how you cope with having turned down the chance to be in Nirvana? Or what signal Keith Richards gives when he wants you to get the hell out of his hotel room? Fans of Too Much Effing Perspective don't have to wonder, because they've heard these exact stories and a jillion others on our podcast. I'm Alex Hoffman, former tour manager for Radiohead. And I'm musician and comedy writer Alan Keller. On the TMEP show, we get guests like Nancy Wilson from Heart, 
Jeremiah Freights from the Lumineers, and Modern Family's Julie Bowen to tell us things they may have only shared with their therapist, clergy, or a TMZ stringer. So join us on Too Much Effing Perspective. That's E-F-F-I-N-G Perspective. The only podcast you crank up to 11. Oh.